ST 2016. This is interviews, music reviews, and more. This is this is the Hotter Show. What is up, everybody? We are on audio here today in episode 314 of the Hotter Show. I hope you guys are doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you so very much for tuning in and clicking that play button on today's episode of the podcast. I got a really wicked episode for you here today. I talk to you every single week right here on the Hotter Show. I'm sitting down with Arthur Honk, who is a badass writer who writes mostly horror, but also a little science fiction, a little uh, a little romance, a little this, a little of that, and also is a contributor to the Grey Rooms podcast with some stories that they've used for some of their episodes. And if you guys know me, I am a huge fan of the Grey Rooms. It might be my favorite podcast. So we, of course, dive into that and the episodes that he's worked with with the Grey Rooms, as well as talking a little bit about just the podcast itself and how much we both are huge fans of it. A little bit about the Discord. We have some questions from the Discord channel of the Grey Rooms. And then we talk a little bit about Arthur's journey into writing, how he writes, how he approaches things. We really break down all aspects of Arthur's writing on this episode. So I hope that you guys enjoy it. It is really, uh, it was just a blast getting to chat with him. So stay tuned for that. Before we jump in real quick, I want to thank everybody for their support on last week's episode of the show in which I debuted another new segment, The Albums That Made Me. And I talked about Cold's Year of the Spider. That was so much fun to do. I had a couple people message me say that they really enjoyed it and that, you know, it was fun to kind of hear my perspective and couple of times apparently they thought I got a little emotional and I'm like man that was I didn't really catch that so that was cool to uh that they you know that they felt that and they felt how much love I had for these songs that I was explaining and telling stories and being nostalgic and things of that nature so that was really really uh really awesome and really fun to do so be sure to check it out the albums that made me last week's episode the debut of that segment in which I talked about Cold's Year of the Spider. And be sure to keep an eye out for those in the future. But without further ado, we're going to jump into my chat with Arthur Unk. Let's get into it. You have heard his work on one of my favorite podcasts, The Grey Rooms. You have also seen him as a contributor on Horror Tree, as well as probably seen some of his work if you are very active on Twitter, because he has an awesome Twitter account, which he's always posting cool stuff and poetry and short stories and things of that nature. We have a lot of ground to cover. I'm super excited to welcome on to the show, Arthur Unk. Arthur, what's up, brother? How you doing? Oh, it is a beautiful, chilly night. I'm enjoying it. Uh, how, how cold is it where you're at? Uh, think Ice Station Bravo, but colder. <laughs> It's a little chilly. <laughs> yeah, it was on a night just like this one that I got the inspiration to write that story. So lots of fond memories. That's awesome. Well, I mean, just diving in head first, like there's there's so much stuff that we have to talk about and so much ground to cover. But because you mentioned it, let's just start with your work with the Grey Rooms. You are an OG key holder and also a, you've written... A, a couple uh, stories for the gray rooms, you know, one here and there. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's a few. <laughs> well, that's it, man. And I mean, with Ice Station Bravo, like for those of you who are not familiar with the gray rooms, it is a badass horror anthology podcast, which you should go check out. 
If you're checking this episode out, there's probably a pretty good chance that you do know the Grey Rooms. But the first season of the Grey Rooms, one episode that really stood out to me immediately. I mean, I loved all the episodes, you know, but one that really stood out to me was episode six of season one, which was Ice Station Bravo, which was one of your stories. Walk me through Ice Station Bravo. Obviously, you know, I know the premise of it, but for those listening, what was Ice Station Bravo? Where did the inspiration for that come from? And then how happy were you with how it turned out? Obviously, talking a little bit about, you know, when you have a story that you write, you maybe picture how things go in your head. But then mm-hmm. when someone is talented as the crew with the Grey Rooms, Jason Graham and everybody involved there, kind of bringing it to life. Well, the thing that I loved the most about iStation Bravo was it was really a bunch of a, it was like the wild, wild west. Yeah. Okay. Everybody, it was like, whatever goes. And I was approached by the then lead narrative author. His name was Brian Black. He found me on Twitter because, as you said before, uh, Twitter was my main social feed to where I was putting out micro stories, micro poetry. That's the term and, micro, I was saying. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was getting a lot of word of mouth that way. So I get a DM in my box and he's like, hey, uh, we're starting up this podcast. It's kind of like Quantum Leap meets Tales from the Crypt. And that was my description for it. And he was like, hey, could you write me uh, a horror story? And I was like, yeah, sure. Click, 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 type, 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 send it off to him. And it was was about (laughs) it was about 10,000 words. And he goes, bro, awesome story. Can you cut it down to like 3000 words? And I'm like, yeah, I'll just eliminate the two subplots and this over here and all that. And I send it back to him. He's like, bro, this is a great story. We love it. We're going to use it. Can you rewrite it in first person? By the way, you got about 12 hours to get it back to me. (laughs) Oh, geez. So I rewrote the whole thing in about 10 hours, made it a first person perspective. um, And the, the rest was history after that. The inspiration behind it, uh, one of my favorite horror movies, The Thing, John Carpenter's version, and Resident Evil. So I kind of had those two things in my head when I was going through it. And a lot of people want to want to tag it as a zombie story when really it's an alien infestation Mm -hmm. story. Because at the end of the story... Uh, you have like this voice in the main character's head, and that was the spores from Project Frankenstein taking over uh, that person's body. And yeah, everything ended in flames and death. And yeah. Well, and it's it's <laughs> it so beautiful. interesting because like, you know, when you start off with the story, like, you know, it's, it's essentially dumbing it down really, really quickly. It's, you know, a team of people that are guarding this research station and Mm -hmm. turns out there's some shady things going on there. And uh, I'll let you guys, you know, check it out. Those listening, because I do employ you to go check it out. And, you know, one thing that I noticed that grabbed me right away. And I think it's something that I always catch when it comes to, you know, with writers specifically is, the character building and the world building that you did within the first, even 
like the first couple of minutes of the story right away. I cared about every single character that was mentioned and this world you created within the first couple of minutes. It's like, holy cow, this is right away. It, 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 it grabbed me. Was there, like obviously you mentioned some things that inspired that. Like, was there anything specifically as well that inspired that? Like from like your own personal life or. Well, I've, I've been accused of <clears throat> taking my, my real world experiences and translating them into stories. So while I've never been to an Arctic research station, I've been cold. And at the time I was on a annual training with my reserve unit and it was the middle of February and it was cold. Oh my God, was it cold? So that's how I was writing it. I was literally under a blanket typing, Shivering. freezing my oh, ass man. off. So that's how I established the scene. Now the people in it, because uh, I'm going on a, uh, I hit my 20th year of service this year. So I've been in the army for 20 years. And a lot of the people in there were just familiar tropes sure. because you got to have something familiar in the story. So you always have someone with a nickname, you know, that's a familiar right. military trope. So you, I had a guy named lucky in it and then everybody always calling each other by their last names. That's another, you know, it's like army's like one big high school anyway. Everybody just calls each other by their last name. And then to give it some realism, I stuck a couple of my friends in it. So Howard Hardy and Hardgrove uh, represented myself and two of my friends who were uh, went through Correctional Officer Academy with me. And of course, I gave us all glorious deaths. So, <laughs> is there any other way to be? <laughs> it, exactly. I was like, we're we're going down in a blaze of glory. And funny funny thing about Ice Station Bravo, the it's also where I have my first voiceover or uh, voice acting credit. Right, right. Yeah, because yeah, I played, played. You played yourself, right? The. No, it was my friend. I wanted my friend Hardy to uh, record the line. And he was like, whatever, man. He's like, I'm not going to do that. It's stupid. And I was like, fine, I'm going to play you it. then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you had a, That's I, right. I forgot about that. You had a glorious yeah. uh, death uh, cameo. <laughs> now, and it was, and it was just a one-off line too. It wasn't mm -hmm. like I was asking them to read, you know, pages and pages of material. I'm like, I just need one sentence. So he missed out and I took all the glory. So screw him. <laughs> well, I mean, you wrote it. Come on. You know, you should yeah. take glory for sure. <laughs> I'm probably going to kill him again in another story. <laughs> Can you kill me in a story sometime? That'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I'm sure I could work one in there. I got, I got a, a death for me somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I got a few irons in the fire. I'm sure there's a TJ that can get blown away somewhere exciting <laughs> there's a, a couple of things you mentioned there that i definitely want to uh, uh come back to um mm -hmm. one thing i i would be remiss not to say just because of something you mentioned the fact that you know you've been in the armed forces now for 20 years so thank you for your service first off because that's you know especially you know uh, being in it so long like that's you know thank you for that because i know that you you know obviously it are like you said, right now, you know, you're, you're freezing and, you know, <laughs> you're, yeah, well, you're it's, it's, it, you know. it's part of the job. You know, I don't, uh, I don't know what led me to it, but here I am. Well, and, you know, I, I want to, I want to keep going with the gray room stuff, but like, you know, you even mentioned like, 
correctional officer uh, training. And mm-hmm. I know you have uh, uh, some medical training as well. Like you've mm-hmm. led a very interesting life, my friend. <laughs> oh, I've held, I've been everything from an insurance salesman to a warehouse worker. Uh, I've done stuff door to door. I've been a recruiter. I've been just all over. I've been a truck driver. I mean, for my uh, season, season three, episode six, the ride, mm-hmm. uh, that borrowed heavily from when I was a truck driver because that whole setup from Albuquerque to Phoenix, I mean, that came straight out of me witnessing a bunch of people on the side of the road with the signs held up like, oh, give me a ride to California. Give me a ride to where, you know, that's where I got the inspiration for that. So, I mean, I just take stuff from my life and twist it around, turn those intrusive thoughts into stories. Right. Kind of expelling those thoughts, you know? And Mm -hmm. it's funny because like, that's, to be honest, that's one of my, I think my top, one of my top five favorite episodes from the gray rooms. And that's a very, exclusive list because there's a lot of uh <clears throat> fantastic stories in the gray rooms but um the ride was one that like you had mentioned that like you pulled from when you, you were a truck driver i spent mm-hmm. a lot of years working on the highway as at one of like i basically had a service center so i i don't know if that had something to do with it for me as to why i love the story so much because i can totally relate to, you know, seeing people on the side of the road with a sign and someone picking someone up. And I, I see it all the time. People would come in with hitchhikers and buy them meals and stuff. Like I'd see that kind of stuff all the time. And I'd be like, man, what if like that person turned out to be not who you thought they did or who they man, were? But he had Bud Light. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like what if, you know, but with, um, with the ride, you also touch on, kind of some more supernatural type stuff. Where did the inspiration for that come from? I'm a huge fan of HP Lovecraft. So I'm always enjoying uh, supernatural type stories, especially anything that has to touch on like elder gods or things that are just beyond understanding or uh, anything in that realm. Uh, That's why when the gray room started introducing things like the far And I was like, oh, okay, here's my opportunity to slide this in because it seemed to be a direction that they were heading anyway. Kind of that more bringing in the more, um, excuse me, more like kind of supernaturally type stuff and that, like the elder gods and stuff like that. Yeah, that's really, that was a, excuse me, um, that was something that for me even too, like, I kind of started to sink my teeth into more as well, where it's like, man, like things are getting very interesting. If you're listening to this and you haven't checked out the gray rooms, you're seriously missing out. <laughs> well, sometimes I write these stories as a love letter too. for like, like the ride was my love letter to JM, the, the guy who does all the music for the gray yes. rooms, because I specifically wrote a part in there. He's such a fan of rock and rock and roll. And I didn't know how he was going to do it, but I knew if there's anyone that could, I put uh, my main character actually singing a Bob Seger song. And I was like, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I know JM can. And he pulled it off to perfection. No copyright claims needed. (laughs) And man, that the, the beginning of that episode with the riff that he pulled out for that one, I was like, what is this? 
so good. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 he just told me, cause I, I, I sent him a private message, you know, after the story came out and I was like, dude, you nailed that soundtrack. And he goes, I got a total eighties vibe from your, yeah. from your story. And he's like, I just went there. And I was like, well, I did have a, a good twilight zone reference in there. So Oh, for sure. You want to see something really scary? Yes, dude. <laughs> and the, the performance on that episode from everyone involved was just, you know, fantastic. But one, one thing, um, when you so when you were truck driving, was there ever a time where you, like, picked anyone up? Or was that always kind of something you were hesitant on? I'm just curious with, with the story, with the inspiration for that. I never, I never had the opportunity, really, oh, okay. because... I would drive by and people would look so sketchy. I'd be like, yeah, I don't want that in my truck. They look like they have bugs. I want to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> you know? Yeah, man. Some people that have been uh, traveling for a long time, they, they got some road wear on them. And I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I got, I got my podcast with, or I got my, my uh, iPod with 20,000 songs on it. It'll keep me busy. <laughs> Yeah, you and you were about talking to people and hearing about their life, and you know, yeah, trust me, I know. Like I, those kind of people yeah. come in all the time and have baths in our sinks and stuff, and it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's definitely a uh, interesting, but um, it it was so cool with the ride, like how the the twist, obviously, in that story. And I don't want to necessarily give it away because again, I want people to go check it out. But mm-hmm. is that something that you kind of you, you like to do with your writing like do you like to have twists and turns in there and do something like super unexpected well you got to give it's give and take um a twist is cool if it's not if it if it comes from the story naturally so it, you can always feel when something's forced sure. in, in my opinion, you can always feel like when they're trying to shoehorn something in there just because of, you know, uh, plot armor, you know, Oh, you can't kill this person because they're protected by, you know, quote unquote plot armor. Mm-hmm. No, if, if it's natural and it feels natural, I'll put a twist in, but when I was writing that story, it started out originally as something else. I wanted to, I, I just wanted to write a bad guy and I wanted something bad to happen to the bad guy. Mm. And I was like, how can I make this story work? And then I heard a, uh, a, a joke and it, it made everything come together. And the joke was a uh, guy driving down the road, picks up a hitchhiker in the car and they take off, drive down the road. The hitchhiker turns to the guy and goes, hey, thanks for the ride, but how do you know I'm not a serial killer? And the driver turns and says, well, the chances of two serial killers being in the same car is astronomical. (laughs) I love that one. (laughs) Yeah. So, And so from a bad joke to combine it with that story, I was like, okay, now I have the bad guy. I have the premise. Now I just need to figure out you know, what happens at the end? How, how do those two elements collide? And it collides. All right. (laughs) Again, guys, like you gotta go check it out. Like, you know, and I wanted this to be almost like a little teaser, you know, and, and that's, again, that's one, it's one of my favorites and the gray rooms has so many amazing episodes. Well, the, the the narrative story, 
yeah, the narrative storyline that was running up at that point. Yeah. My story was a pivot point in the actual narrative yes. storyline. So not only do you get like a premier premium, nice, juicy narrative story that actually has a lot of meaning, then my story is attached to it. So it just kind of like you're already riding that high, like what the hell just happened? And then it just the ride comes along and hits you right in the face right from that first opening riff you're just like okay this is something special <laughs> for sure and one definitely that was is super special i mean you know you and i have talked about this a little bit um already but that same season episode 19 a world worth saving yes is that- another one that is definitely a favorite of mine and man like <sighs> Just walk me through a world worth saving and where all that came from, because I know there's a lot to unpack you with that uh, that episode. Uh, well, a world worth saving originally came from uh, it. The idea behind it was more along the lines of you ever heard of the Dresden Files by mm, Jim Butcher. I have not. No. Yeah, well, it's a it's a series of stories about a a a guy who's basically a modern day mage, modern day wizard, okay. and he goes around and <clears throat> sort of protects the uh, his little area that he's assigned to, which is the city of Chicago and the surrounding area. He's kind of assigned to protect it from any supernatural elements. So that was the genesis of the idea behind a world worth saving. I wanted to take a hero who fought supernatural things, but he did it on a global level. And this was a guy who's had a lot of experiences, done a lot of things. And this is kind of like his, his, his final, he, he meets his, his ultimate uh, adversary. Probably the most ultimate adversary you could meet. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of people get it, get it twisted because even though I, 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 I name drop in that one, <laughs> And, and I name drop a pretty big name from HP Lovecraft lore. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just what the creature was calling itself. That wasn't actually the, 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 the creature itself Okay. because the creature itself was more inspired along the lines of Clive Barker's Hellraiser uh, in that theme, because I, I worked in, you know, the chains and the hooks right. and all that stuff. And it's just, the creature was using that name to because that was the only thing that the human mind could comprehend you know so i got a little bit of a flack for 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 using it they're like oh that's that's not how lovecraft would have wrote the story and i'm like yeah i know i wasn't writing it as a lovecraft story and i'm glad you picked up on that (laughs) like you're right you're absolutely correct (laughs) yeah it's like high five you figured it out (laughs) I, I wouldn't have got that. Like, mind you, I'm not a huge, I mean, obviously I mad respect, like I've never dove into the HP yeah. Lovecraft stuff too much, but, but like, yeah, for the people that don't know that name, whether you know HP Lovecraft or not is instant recognition of how mm-hmm. ominous, how big, and how big, yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of just adds that, that element to it because it's just, you know, our, we can't know what we don't know. So mm-hmm. our mind plugs in the gaps and that's, that was the gap that it filled was with that name. With a name that is synonymous with evil and <laughs> bad things, folks. <laughs> yeah. 
But walk but me through the main it character all a little bit. Yeah, walk me through a, the main character a tiny bit here. Like where, so, um, obviously, like you talked about where the inspiration came from, but. Yeah, the main character, I wanted him to be kind of like an elder figure almost. Uh, his name was Giuseppe, which uh, is, a, is a name that both my wife and I favor. Uh, if we were ever going to have another child, we we're going to name him Giuseppe. Awesome. Um, and it's just, it, it was, a, I wanted a cool Italian name and I've been all over Europe. So the inspiration for uh, the town that they went to comes from uh, s- several little German towns. So I had this little European town in mind um, as he was going through. So everything feels tight and compact right. and, some of it could be a little bit isolated at moments. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I know that um, just to t- briefly talk about it here for a second before we keep going, um, you are currently working on a novella um, that I believe might be tied in a little bit. We'll talk about that for a second. Yeah. the uh, my, my first novella, it's entitled Tabula Rasa, is uh, it, it the inspiration for that came from this story because I enjoyed writing a world worth saving so much that I was like, how can I expand this into something bigger? So it was almost immediately after I wrote that story that I sat down and I just tried figuring out, well, how would this work in it on a larger scale? And about two or three hours later, I had like a, a, a 10 story outline done and I just looked at it and I was like, I have to build this. This, this has to be, to be done. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, and I just started writing and other things have gotten in the way, but I've always been just chipping away at it little by little. The first, the, the first story is done uh, tabula rasa. And then I got the beginning of the second and third stories started. So I plan on writing all three of them and releasing, you know, three in one novel size book. Okay. So it's coming soon. Okay. Right. I got, a, well, I got a few other projects on the board, but that one keeps getting worked on every month. I get a little bit further. Plugging away. Yeah. You're always writing. That's one thing. Like I know just from being in, in the discord with you, like you're always writing and you're always working on different projects and it's, it's super admirable. And I mean, I'm, I'm hyped when that happens and you know i'm, I'm gonna put you on the spot right now that when that novella does come out mm-hmm. let's have a chat again and break it down and and talk all about it i think that'd be a lot of fun 100 percent, i'm there for sure would be would be a good time but the last episode i want to make sure we talk about uh before we move on um i know i i keep saying this but another one of my favorite episodes uh, for, <laughs> for a lot of different reasons but of course, the story, which is season four of The Grey Rooms, is Dead Air, which was the Halloween special. Where did the inspiration for that come from? Because let's tell the truth. You wrote that because you knew Jason would love it, right? Uh, <laughs> I would love to have claimed credit for that, that, you know, me and the warden are tight like that. But <laughs> unfortunately, uh, that was probably one of the best coincidences that has happened since... I got randomly asked out of the Twitterverse to write an episode. Um, the inspiration behind it was 
you know, essentially going to be, how am I going to put this? It was like, uh, I had, once again, I'm stuck in the eighties. <laughs> so I was thinking back to the movie, the warriors and there was a radio DJ in the warriors that I was just absolutely in love with. I just, I like the, I like the idea of a radio personality uh, kind of narrating these people's journey, sure. you know, through the city, they're trying to get back home. Well, then uh, fast forward about 20 or so years, and there's a show on Netflix. It's called the Krillin Signal. And they do these really short animations, probably only about, I don't know, nine to 10 minutes long. There's about five or six episodes in the series. But the very first episode was a guy who was a radio DJ who had someone on his show under false pretenses because the radio DJ knew that he was a werewolf and the radio DJ ends up capturing the werewolf in a studio. And I just, I just combined the two together and dead air popped out. Which is just, it's filled with just some of the best voice acting you'll ever hear. Um, yeah. When I saw who was doing all the voice acting, yeah. I was just like, Oh my God, you got Joe Stofko, You got David Cummings. You got Eddie Cooper. You got, I mean, Graham Rowett's in there and I'm just like, oh my goodness. I was like, mm -hmm. I, I got the, the person that plays Belial. I got the person that plays Beckett. I got, you know, I'm just like, you got Bob, I, like, you know, yeah, I'm just, you know, it was a little overwhelming and I was so happy that they were able to work with the transitions that it gave them. Mm -hmm. um especially like captain dave's fish and chips i guess that yes. was super popular yes oh, <laughs> amongst the gray room staff it just there's just this ridiculous commercial that's dropped into the middle of this terrible story and really you can call it a case of mistaken identity uh but it's just this these little pieces that somehow all work and that captain Dave's fish and chips was a callback all the way to season one where uh, the gray rooms kind of did a uh, mid season special and uh, the warden actually uh, some kids came to his house and they were like trick or treating. Right. Yes. And it was kind of like, I love that the gray rooms added a little bit of humor. So I was just, I threw captain Dave's fish and chips in there to try and, you know, give a little bit of humor, break up the, break up the terror. Cause yeah. you know, <laughs> you have to stop pouring the water over the, over the cloth sometime, <laughs> see if they're going to respond. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh yeah, man. Like it, it, it's such a great story. And I mean, I love that aspect of the humor too. It's one reason why the Graham is my, my favorite podcast. Like just the, how it can be so intense and so articulate and well-written and, you know, but then also there can be some silly stuff in there too, which is it's dark and silly. And it's like, Oh, this is great. Like it's like Bob's um, obsession with haikus. Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And of course the warden with his chainsaw, you know, like, come on. Like, it's just, yeah. it's, it's just great stuff. Like, how could you not? Uh, and when you just, just kind of wrapping up our, our chat about the gray rooms here, because I'll talk to you for another hour about it. Um, mm -hmm. When you, so obviously like, you know, you were asked uh, to be a part of it with the story. 
when did you kind of know that like, okay, this is something special. Like there had to be a moment where you were like, okay, this is, you know, this is really something here. Uh, the moment I knew it was special was <clears throat> when I heard uh, the the preseason episode one falling. Right. It was written by uh, the amazing Mike Lee. And I listened to the quality of the story. I listened to the quality of the production. And I was like, this is going to be something special. And then yeah. when the when the first episode hits season one, episode one, the great war. In the beginning, you're just kind of like everything's just kind of coming along and you're you're kind of nervous. Yeah. And then it launches into the story and you're just like you hear the story of the Great War. And if I ever meet Graham in person, I'm going to have to have him talk to me about bully beef <laughs> and the rats. Um, but Damn rats, <laughs> I was just I was amazed and like. I, I made everybody that I was like, look, I'm going to be a part of this. Look, I'm going to be a part of this. This is amazing. Can you believe this is a podcast? This sounds like a movie. This, I mean, it got me hyped. And now, you know, here I am. That was, you know, they asked me to write the story all the way back in 2018, you know, and here we are in 2021. Wow. And, you know, I'm, I'm more of a fan than ever. That's why I try to do as much as I can on the socials, uh, in the discord channel. I try to just involve myself with, with the community as much as possible because it's just, it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're a huge part of that discord community. Like one of the, I, I say this all the time, like one of the best decisions I ever made was number one, becoming a patron. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Patreon and also becoming a member of that discord. Cause so it was just like, you know, it's almost like you think of people who are involved in a project of this level of quality, like, oh, these are like next level people. Like, these are people that like, oh, like, you know, like, oh, I can't talk to them. Like, come on, you know, and then you come in and it's like everyone's just cracking jokes and like being super friendly. And it's like, what? Like, this is so awesome. And, you know, there's running gags about geese and stuff and like, you know, what's going on. <laughs> yeah. We have our, uh, we have our moments. It's just, uh, I've had, I've had nothing but good times. And I mean, even, uh, <clears throat> the people who have multiple stories in the gray rooms, we all kind of band together. Yes. And, we send each other, we swap stories all the time and we'll read and critique each other's works. We'll help with edits, you know, we'll help with prose to script conversion. We'll, you know, try to answer questions uh, just because, you know, we, we understand what it's like. And me, I've had, you know, a few things in the gray rooms. So they kind of turned to me as the, as the elder statesman. So as most accessible, <laughs> elder statesman sure and even this season uh i i've seen some of those i've seen a list of some of the stories that's going to make it and i was like yep i read that one yep i edited that one yep i critiqued which, that one and i'm just like oh my god which is cool so, it's like you're all kind yeah. of a part of the process right it's it's a really yeah. cool thing to watch just even just from a fan perspective i'm sitting there watching you guys go back and forth talking about stuff. And I'm like, man, this is crazy. Like just yeah, sometimes, wall, you know, 
Yeah, sometimes if you catch us on the Discord channel, we'll pull up scripts and read them yeah. live in the Discord channel and we'll just uh, have like a little roast right there. It's like, oh, you wrote this? Well, let's talk about it right now. <laughs> this line sucks. You know? This is great. Let's focus on this. Like, you know, like not that you're saying this sucks, but just, you know, like yeah. <laughs> obviously critiquing, you know, you got to be be brutally honest and stuff. And that's, yeah, that's what's so like, great about it, like, right? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I have an accountability partner in the gray rooms too. Uh, Tori Miller keeps me honest. So, I mean, she's just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you have to be right. Like, it's just, especially when it comes to when someone's sending you something like I, I know myself personally, if I was to be in that situation, I'd have a hard time with it. Cause it's like, you know, if someone sends you something and it's like, you know, that in one way or another, they, poured their heart into that and it's like when you're critiquing it for, especially if they're they want to submit it right mm-hmm. because like you know the level of quality and it's like hey this could be a great story but there's maybe there's a plot hole here there's something going on you know like maybe there's a few yeah it's like work yeah on, you know oh yeah most definitely if you can't take uh if you can't take criticism or critique you have no business uh jumping head first into this game because it's it's brutal i think i've been i've been rejected over three four hundred times for different stories i mean hell i've been rejected by the gray rooms twice for stories so (laughs) yeah well that's what i mean right and like it's um like you especially with the level of what you do like you would i i would think like reading your stuff it's like you've been rejected at all really like holy shit like you know it almost seems seems crazy to think about but like with how long you've been writing and submitting stuff like i'm sure you've come across that before um i actually have some questions from the discord here that i want to ask because it one actually from tori um <clears throat> kind of on on that on that note so shout out to tori the community manager over the uh, green rooms discord channel go join the discord channel guys make the warden happy come on let's get some people over on the Discord. exactly um when you do come across something like if you if your store gets rejected by a, a site or, or however you're you're submitting it, what keeps you motivated in that moment? Um, I know that I learn more from failure than I do from success. Sure. So I take a look at the story and I ask myself, I'm like, well, number one, did I follow the submission guidelines? Because some sites are so strict that they get so they get bombarded with so many things that if you don't have it formatted properly, it's like, bloop, not even going to look at yeah, it. They won't even read it. Right. Yeah. But <clears throat> when it comes down to the story elements, uh, what keeps me going is I, I know in my heart that I'm a good storyteller. And sometimes some of the things I submit for just, uh, that, that, that isn't where my wheelhouse is. Mm-hmm. Uh, fortunately for me, I've been accepted in a bunch of different uh, publications for uh, pushing stories. I've done science fiction. I've done romance. I've done literary fiction. I've done horror. So I kind of have a, a more broad background than normal. Mm-hmm. But sometimes your story just isn't a fit. And then sometimes they, they have a story but they have two similar stories and somebody just wrote it better. You know, it, it, it's just one of those things where it's like, well, you didn't want my story, whatever. I'm moving on. I had a story that was 
submitted to uh, the gray rooms that got rejected. And I was like, okay, uh, I submitted it to no sleep and we'll see what no sleep thinks of it. You know, it's just, I I know it's a good story. I just got to find the right market for it. Right. And that's the thing too, right? Like with, with the gray rooms, it's like, especially when it's the type of podcast it is where it's an anthology, like if you have a stuck, okay, like, is this story maybe a little similar to, not even similar, like, are there some elements maybe that are kind of similar to another story we're doing this season? Or what are we going for with this, this season? You know, like, I'm sure there's tons of different. um, Yeah, there might be, there might be 13 werewolf stories that are submitted. Right, right. So it's, (laughs) you know, or yeah, or we got too much science fiction horror this season, or we got too much, you know, it, it just, you get lost in the shuffle sometimes and I don't take anything personally. Of course. I take it as a learning opportunity and I just go through retool and move on. And that's what you have to do, especially when you're submitting stuff and you're sharing stuff with people. Like you have to be willing to accept that, you know, you might need to change some things or, you know, maybe a story you thought was a, a hit. It's like, you know, Oh, maybe it's not, maybe you need to, look at it again and kind of, you know, go through it and let's, let's define it a bit more maybe, you know? And I'll tell you what, my, my happiness lately has come from finishing projects rather than getting accepted because here lately, I'm just so happy to finish a story because it's like, it, it gives me a feeling of satisfaction. Like, okay, this is done. Now I know I have a beginning, middle and end. Now I just need to edit it where it makes sense. Right. Well, that's something you've been doing um, this year too. Um, with the, what, what is the, the, I, I don't want to mess it up. The, uh, the hashtag Nanorimo. Oh, what is Nanorimo? Nanorimo. What is Remo? Yeah. yeah. So, what exactly? Just to walk people through who don't know what that is. What exactly <laughs> is that? And I mean, I know you hit your goal. So, how did how yeah. the process? Basically, uh, Nanorimo is uh, national. Let's see, Nano National November Writing Month. So, basically, all the writers just get together and they say, "Look." For this month, I'm going to concentrate. I'm going to just put words to page, and I'm going to get at least 50,000 words written in the month of November. Mm-hmm. And that equates out to about 1,670 words a day, somewhere around there. Which is and crazy at the end, of words, by the way, folks. <laughs> like, that's a pretty yeah, decent. And I mean, writing. that's for, for standard publication, 50,000 words is a novel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the minimum amount that most people will take to be considered a novel. So we just challenge ourselves to put words to page and get the words out and then go back and edit it all later. It can be on one project, multiple projects. And I was originally planning on trying to write my 50,000 words in uh, my novellas because I was like, I'll just use NaNoWriMo. I'll finish off my next two novellas. It'll be great. And I did not write a single word in November <laughs> of course, right? for my novellas. Is not how it always works. <laughs> I was working on so many other projects and I found myself just enjoying those so much more. And I think I ended up in the end with something like 57, 59,000 words or something mm-hmm. like that at the end. So I went over my goal, but it was just, it was phenomenal. Yeah. According to your Twitter, it was 57,196. 
Well, Twitter doesn't lie. So <laughs> I saw it on Twitter. It has to be true. Come on. <laughs> I know. I believe everything I see on the internet. <laughs> and it isn't necessarily about finishing. It's about getting in the habit of writing every day. Sure. You know, whether you put down 200 words a day or you put down 5,000 words a day, it's just getting in the habit of, of writing. Oh, for sure, man. Like, and it's, um, it's inspirational to see like straight up, like, you know, it's, uh, Oh, I got the bug for sure. I've been, <laughs> I've been writing and editing every day since. Yeah. I think your discord has said editing until further notice for a while now. <laughs> That's because I edit every day <laughs> and another plug for our discord. If you want to hear about some of the stuff that I'm writing every once in a while, I'll drop it in the cramped fingers and bloody yes. pages page. So I get, I give little snippets of my favorite lines that make me go. <laughs> There's some cool make stuff in there too, guys. Like, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of just, just being a fly on the wall in that conversation, you know, cause obviously I can't like, I'm not going to be like, Oh yes. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I just like being a part of it to see it. Um, but, but, but kind of on that note too, um, another question we have from the, the discord here, I want to make sure we get to um, Eric would like to know, and we've kind of already touched on this a little bit, but where does the majority of your inspiration come from? Like when you get to a point where you're working on something and then this idea for a project comes, like where does that inspiration usually come from? Is it just kind of like everyday life or? Yeah, it, it just comes from the weird stuff that happens in my life. Um, let me give you a perfect example. Um, I ruined Valentine's Day back in 2004. I have not had to buy a single Valentine's Day gift since 2004. And here's this story. You wanted an exclusive. Here you go. Here we go. So okay. I, I was deployed in Iraq in 2003, 2004. And around that time, online shopping wasn't really as big as it is now, but it was around. It was in its infant stages. So I was using my very slow connection to try and find a Valentine's Day gift for my wife. I'm scrolling through page after page, trying to find her something. And she sent me like a list of like a hundred things that she wanted. I was like, ah, I know better. I'm going to get her something special from the heart. So I confused my grandmother's love of Thomas Kincaid with my wife's hatred for Thomas Kincaid. He's a famous landscape painter. <laughs> so I was on the Thomas Kincaid website thinking I'm going to find my wife a gift. And I found the perfect thing. It was heart-shaped. It had this little top you could take off. You could put candles or potpourri or something in it. It had this, it was just, it screamed, I love you. $70? Yeah, you're worth it, babe. Click buy. February 17th, I get to call my wife. I couldn't even call my wife on Valentine's Day. <laughs> so February 17th, I call. And I'm all excited because I knew I just bought a banger of a gift. I'm like, hey, babe, what's going on? I love you. Did you get my gift? And she just starts ugly crying. And I'm like, uh, what just happened? I'm like, are you all right? Are you okay? And she goes, why'd you buy me an urn? An urn? <laughs> so apparently I misread the description. And I sent my wife an urn for Valentine's Day, a heart-shaped urn. While I was deployed during, you know, probably one of the most dangerous times that you could be there. <laughs> you bought her an urn. 
And I bought her an urn. Oh my goodness. Listen, man, I've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> over five years to be exact. And that might be one of the best stories I've ever heard on this podcast as far as like bad gifts, things of that nature. That might be the best one. <laughs> oh my goodness. So <laughs> I mean, there you go. Misunderstanding, but geez. <laughs> yep. So not only did she hate Thomas Kincaid, but I bought her an urn. So where did the so is that uh, possibly a story we're going to see in the future or the inspiration <laughs> from that or uh, possibly possibly maybe okay. perhaps okay. it might involve a gift of some sort that may be horrible in some way. Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, you're here to hear first folks. So eventually when that happens, I'm going to be like, see, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> this story uh, sounds familiar. Yeah. I, th- I feel like we've heard about this somewhere before. Uh, so the last question, of course, I have to ask is from a, a young whippersnapper here in the uh, in, in the Discord. And he has a really serious, probably the most serious question I'm going to ask you all day. Are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. I'm ready. Arthur Unk would like to know who your celebrity crush is. <laughs> uh, guy or girl? A- any. <laughs> no. My uh, my. My girl celebrity crush is uh, Rachel Ray. Okay. There is just, she's wonderful. She's wonderful. With her auburn hair and her shortness and her 30-minute meals. I'd make her a 30-minute meal. (laughs) And then on the dude side, Ryan Reynolds is my man. I mean, come on. He's got to be, right? Yeah, if there was anybody that could get me to, you know, go that direction, I I, I think he'd be a gentle lover. <laughs> I I mean, you know, I'm I'm probably would have to go for me. Uh, uh, <clears throat> See, for me, it's easier for guys. I don't know why. I'm just like mm-hmm. I'm just like man, like yeah. Chris Evans, Dude. maybe you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm a, I was a huge Adam Levine fan, not so much anymore. But uh, are we talking Captain America, Chris oh, Evans? Or I are mean, we talking come on, Fantastic Four. Chris no, Evans? we're talking Captain America. That's America's ass, okay? Or That's, or yeah. or the not another teen movie, Chris Evans, nah, where he nah. had the whipped cream bikini yeah. on. Is that what did it nah. for you? No, it was it was Captain America, America's ass. You know, come on, That's, yeah. That's the Chris I Evans I want. You know, I wanted to bust in this door and carry me away. <laughs> I can I, see it. And then I guess Anna Kendrick. I don't know. I don't. I don't really have a, a a female one. I guess too much. But I guess Anna Kendrick. But um, with getting back to some more serious topics, um, <laughs> you when did you actually start writing? Was it something that you was kind of always in the back of your mind that you wanted to? to try and do, or was it just one day you were like, I got an idea for a story. Where did kind of, what was the catalyst to get you into writing? I've, I've written all my life um, growing up. I mean, the first probably horror story I ever wrote was the, was in the uh, third grade where we had to uh, mix and match different parts of animals and glue them together and then write a story about it. And I glued some dinosaur pieces and a turkey together and made the Turok and wrote a story about, you know, the evil Turok, you know, Yo, in the third where grade. is that story? I want a Turok story. Come on. Yeah, 
it's probably in my grandma's basement somewhere. I um, think that needs to make an appearance. <laughs> the maybe. Rock. That's awesome. Uh, and then uh, I didn't, I didn't know what I wanted to be until I was 36 years old. And I, I sat down and I started just combing through stuff online, looking for writing contests. And I entered in a bunch of micro fiction writing contests. And, you know, at first I'd place, you know, 10th or 30th or whatever, but then I started placing second and third. And I even won one once for a micro fiction writing contest for nice. 300 words or less. And I was like, okay. And I submitted my very first story uh, called The Gamble uh, to a to an online website called Spill Words. And they were like, oh, we like your story. We would like to print it. And I was like, oh, that's so crazy. it was a romance. Yeah. yeah, it was a romance story that that broke into it. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a romance author. And then I found out I can't do that very well. <laughs> Like my idea of romance isn't what other people's idea of romance is. I'm way off the the cultural base there. So I'm not <laughs> going to do that anymore. I can, but I'm not going there. Uh, Maybe one day, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then I started, well, I was like, well, what do I like? I like fiction. I like, uh, I like science fiction. I like fantasy. I like, you know, I like horror. And then all of a sudden I got hooked up with a online magazine called the horror tree. It's at horrortree.com. Um, their, their editor over there, me, me and Stuart Conover, uh, we've actually sat down and, you know, broke bread together. Nice. And I, I, that's where a lot of my stories went in the beginning. And I would write these little 100 word stories for him called Drabbles. And it just, it's, it's like crack. You keep getting that little hit. Cause he's like, yeah, keep them coming. Keep them coming. These are great. And I think one year I wrote like 24 of them or something like that. <laughs> and it was just, you know, I was just writing and writing and writing and then gray rooms found me. And then, you know, it just kind of took off from there. I got published in anthology called the dead cades i wrote a story um about uh these people who grew up in the 1950s uh it was kind of like a time when you're transitioning from rural areas into more suburban areas and the wife found out that the husband was going to get fired so she kidnapped this dude's boss and like tortured him down in the basement bled him into like a tub because <laughs> she didn't want to move <laughs> <laughs> so she thought if she killed his boss, they wouldn't have to move because her husband wouldn't get fired. It was, yeah, it was twisted. And then uh, I did actually, the very last thing that I got uh, published right before the gray rooms was I was in a anthology called hundred days of summer. And I wrote a story about high school kids uh, kind of like one liked each other. And they're trying to score alcohol for their party. So I ripped off the plot, the super bad, made it PG-13 and <laughs> submitted it. And it got accepted into the anthology. Now, here's the, here's the reason why it got accepted. It was the story was 99% dialogue with no tags. So okay. the story that I wrote was almost 100% dialogue, just back and forth, but there were no dialogue tags. So there was no Brad said, he said, she said, it was just conversation back and forth. 
and I had four different characters in two different places. So it was real interesting how I structured that story. So which that's that yeah. all is like witchcraft to me, right? Like I just like, you know, like I am not a writer. So for me, it's like it, it just is such a uh for lack of a better term, a bit of a uh, mind fuck, <laughs> just to like mm-hmm. have you break something down like that, you know, and were you always super into like structuring things that way? Or did you, as you, I mean, obviously as you write, especially with someone of your experience, like, obviously I know you get better. It's like anything, right? You do it more, you get better at it. You know, you got to get reps in and you got to get words in. Um, Were there any like books you read or any courses you took or anything like that for writing? Or did it just kind of come naturally for you? Uh, It always felt like a natural talent for me, but as with anything, the more tools you put in your toolbox, uh, yeah. let me rephrase. Just because you have tools in your toolbox, you got to know how to use them. Right. So I did what most people did, and I just jumped in head first and got uh, found out I was in the shallow end. Thank God I didn't break <laughs> my neck. I came back up, recovered, and before I dove into the water again, I learned to check my surroundings. I learned to make sure I was at the deep end. I started gathering more and more information. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think the best writing book that I ever had was is called Damn Fine Story by Chuck Wendig. If any any aspiring writers out there, I 100% recommend you go get Damn Fine Story by Chuck Wendig. It is like my Bible of of how i write and from there i mean it's just is trial and error you know uh, like you said it's it's finding out what works what doesn't and eventually uh, you there's two types of writers there's people who outline everything and there's people who just make up everything on the fly you know there's outliners and they call them pantsers and what i've come to find out is i kind of got a hybrid of them So I will do an outline, but it'll be a real sketchy, thin outline. I'll just write out the action beats. So it might be just one word or one sentence. And then I will write all the stuff in between pantsing, but I'll make sure that I'm hitting all my action beats. So my story stays focused. It's like, you know, okay, this person's going to do this specific thing, but how do we get there? How do we build that? Yeah. Right. And, and I've only learned that in the last probably year and a half I've been practicing doing that. And when I've been using that method, uh, I started noticing I've gotten accepted a lot more to places. So I'm like, okay, this is what works for me. Just things maybe a little more focused. And I have 137 credits towards a master's degree in English literature, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, I'm one of those, uh, I realized school was a scam and dropped out. So, yeah, let's not discuss that. Let's, you know, but that's something that, you know, like to me, being someone who's not, you know, super educated when it comes to writing and things of that nature, like, um, it's something I've always noticed my learning disability. I don't know, but I've always struggled with that. So, to have someone like yourself who like naturally is just like, holy crap. Like you, you, you see things. And I mean, 
um, not to put you on the spot, but like I, I sent mm-hmm. you something that I was like, Oh, I just wanted to get your opinion on it. And what you sent back was so like, I learned more in the first 30 seconds of reading through that with your, mm-hmm. like kind of the things you recommended in the edits. And I was like, Holy shit. Like I got, I got a long way to go before I tackle something of this nature again. Like, you know, it, and it's some people it's call so it cool, seeing right? in the matrix. <laughs> some people call it seeing in the matrix and, you know, some people, they just, they just have that natural talent. Me, the hardest part of it for me is I know how to do it. It's just finding the proper, the, the, the correct term to use. So you know, you, you might describe something as a dongle, but it actually has a technical name and a technical person purpose. Uh, can't talk purpose. And now once you learn that technical name and technical purpose, you're like, okay, now I can fully explain to you what this is. Yes. But before you just be like, oh, that's my dongle. It makes widgets. And it's like, <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> yeah. So now it's just, you know, putting, putting proper words to things because I, I am taking steps into, uh, I want to, I want to be that professional, you know, I'm, I'm starting to learn a lot more about script work. Uh, I'm starting to learn a bunch of different techniques. I'm always uh, listening to writers panels. You know, I listen to everything from Ted talks to podcasts to try and uh, see what everyone else is doing, mm-hmm. find out what techniques work, what techniques don't trying to learn the business side of things. So, you know, pretty soon I, I hope to have my name out there. I want to do this for a living. Get out of the cold. Exactly. No more, <laughs> no more frozen wastelands. Yeah, no more ice station Bravo for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, definitely. No well, more ice it, station man. Bravo. That's it, man. I mean, like you've got, I mean, you've got the natural talent. Like, I mean, you know, you know how much of a fan I am of your stuff, like, you know, and I mean, it's, um, it's so cool getting to pick your brain about this. And I mean, like I said, once novella comes out, cause there's, there was so much stuff we didn't even really get to in this conversation mm-hmm. that it's like you know i definitely want to have you back on again sometime to kind of shoot the breeze and maybe right. talk a little bit more about your your interesting life you have led but just just real quick to to put you on the spot here for a second out of all of the work you've done and mm-hmm. that's it's a lot of stuff do you have one in particular story or maybe a couple you can throw out that you would say are your favorites Um, yes, there are, um, one of them I can't talk about because I'm under an NDA, but when I wrote it, I literally wrote back to the person. This is probably the best ending I have ever written to anything. And it made me giggle uncontrollably. And I wish I could talk about it, but I can't. Okay. Okay. Uh, Um, outside of that, um, I really, really, really enjoy writing poetry. Okay. So anytime you see me writing poetry, whether it be, uh, limericks or any of the short, uh, micro poetry that I put up on Twitter, those are my absolute favorite things to write because it comes directly from how I'm feeling in the moment. And it's just, it is an expression of, sometimes I'll look back in my history and it's just an expression of that day. It'll remind me of, you know, oh man, who was I pissed off at? Oh yeah. Now I remember. That's oh, yeah, why I wrote happened. that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, uh, anytime I write poetry, cause I've even wrote, uh, 
new people that join the Discord, I usually try to say something to welcome them in. And for a couple people, I've written limericks for, and they're like, do you have that copy and pasted somewhere? I'm like, no, I just wrote that in 30 seconds comes, just for you. Yeah. And that's <laughs> just, that always, again, I always, anytime someone new joins the discord, I'm just like, okay, here we go. Cause I know it's coming. <laughs> like, <I'm> just, <laughs> I sit there, dude, the other day, um, I, I, I wish I could remember who it was who joined up. Shout outs to that person. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, and like, I, I just so happened that I was in a place that has good reception and I was on the discord during the day and they, someone joined up and I literally was like sitting, staring at my phone on breaks. I'm like, it's coming, it's coming. And then boom, I was like, yes. Like I love those little things you do. They're just so much fun to kind of know what's just off the top of your head. Right. It's just like, that's the sign of a true, uh, you know, a true someone with true talent, man. You can just off the top of your head like that. It's just crazy to me. It's uh it's really something to watch. <laughs> well, it, it, uh, uh, guitarists don't stay, uh, they aren't good because they only play during shows. So I take every opportunity I can to expand my craft. And that's just one of the little ways that I do it. It's kind of like when you go to the gym and say, today, I'm going to work on ankles. Might not make sense in the long run, but guess what? I have really strong ankles. Well, that's it. You're not going to have to worry about your ankles being hurt, getting hurt. Well, one last thing before we go. I know you mentioned me before that you are a big music fan and my podcast. A lot of times I talk music. So give me, give me, as we're getting out of here, give me like your top five favorite bands of any genre, whatever you want to shout out. Uh, if you want to go into more prog metal type stuff tool is my favorite industrial i've always been a favorite of ministry nice um you know i get a little bit heavier uh i'm always a big fan of like uh kill switch engage hate nice. breed nice uh, we love hate breed on this podcast if you, <laughs> if you want to go even deeper than that i'm a i'm a secret fan of cannibal corpse i mean come on um, who isn't everyone loves so cannibal great. corpse let's be serious <laughs> yeah i was listening to them in high school <laughs> <laughs> back in the 90s <laughs> uh but uh i also have a fascination with underground rap so uh i've posted the link out a couple of times but i have a playlist of amvs and you'll hear just great people that i'm like why aren't these people famous you know like uh yuri and raise god and uh so many others <laughs> I can't even name them all, but it's just underground rap and metal. That's pretty much what I listen to. Nice, oh, and man. classical music. I'm a, I'm a fan of Chopin's Nocturnes. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So pretty, so, pretty wide like palette the there. That's oh awesome. yeah. Pretty wide palette happening there. So that's, <laughs> that's awesome, man. Just like your writing. And I mean, you know, again, I can't stress this how much I enjoy your stuff and how much I've enjoyed mm -hmm. chatting with you and, getting to know you over the last month or so. And, uh, you know, definitely want to have you on again sometime so we can shoot the breeze again on some stuff and, uh, and about the novella when that happens. Oh yeah. Well, uh, I appreciate you for having me on anyone that wants to follow me on Twitter. I'm at, at Arthur on tweets. Um, anyone that wants to visit my website is Arthur And by the way, Arthur Unk isn't my real name. That's my dun, stage dun, name. Dun. Arthur Unk is a very bad dad joke for author unknown. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic.
fantastic. I would never have known that if you didn't say that. There you go. <laughs> now, it's just when I redo my security clearances, I have to put that name down as an alias, and it makes people laugh. <laughs> that is fantastic. All right, man. Thank you so much for the time. It's been great talking with you. Absolutely. Anytime. All right, guys. There you have it. My chat with Arthur Unk, or as you heard at the end there, uh, maybe that is not actually his real name. <laughs> For the sake of this podcast, we're going to continue calling him by his his writer name, Arthur Unk. Be sure to check him out down below. I'll have some links to his website and also his Twitter. Give him a follow. He very much deserves your support. Keep an eye out for his novella. He will definitely be back on the show for us to talk about his novella because I'm super excited about it. I cannot wait to read it. And also, I'm sure we will be hearing him again on the Grey Rooms uh, hopefully season four. I don't know. I don't, I don't have any information on that, but we'll see as time goes on. If you have not checked out the gray rooms, it is in my opinion, the best audio drama podcast out there. It's a horror audio drama, a horror anthology audio drama. You need to check it out. It is absolutely incredible. The sound design, the voice acting, the writing, just, it is really a cut above in my opinion. So go check it out. The gray rooms, you can find it anywhere you find your podcast, just like you can find this podcast. And I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so very much. It means the world to me. Be sure to hit that subscribe button. If you haven't yet, give me a follow and uh, leave a little, uh, little rating if you can. Ratings help a lot. They help this show grow. Helps more people find this podcast. And if you're into music and just general fun chats about life and content creation and things of that nature, be sure to check out some of my past episodes. I have uh, uh, well over a solid 313 episodes <laughs> to go back and check out. A lot of uh, a lot of great content in there with some really fantastic people. So thank you so very much for listening to me ramble at the end of the podcast here for that you deserve the old patented audio fist bump exclusive here to the harder show boom what other idiot would punch their microphone <laughs> just me <laughs> i'm getting delusional so i'm going to sign off here thank you guys so very much again for listening be sure to hit that subscribe button share with your friends let everyone know how great of an of a writer arthur is and how amazing the gray rooms is and maybe give your boy a follow on the social media, The Harder Show. And I will catch you next time, right here, every Thursday on The Harder Show. Take it easy, guys.